Today's scripture reading is from Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. Please stand for the reading of God's word. Hear now the word of the Lord. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us, because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whom he has given us. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if, when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. This is the word of the Lord. Hello? Can you hear me? All right. I'm in California dreaming. <clears throat> so, um, if you don't know already, I just referred to a very popular song. Uh, Adele came out with her new album called 25. She's actually 27, so it's a lie. No, um, it came out with an album called 25. And it sold 3.38 million copies within the first week. It broke so many records. Uh, just the fact that I said the second line of the first verse and half of you already knew it shows how popular that song is. The other half, pop culture is okay. You can watch the TV sometimes. You can get out of your room. Okay. Um, but when interviewed, Adele explained, that's how I know I've written a good song for myself. When I start crying, it's when I break out in tears in the vocal booth or in the studio and I'll need a moment to myself. And I believe it's so powerful that the emotions that she displayed resonates with so many of the people that listen to her music that it broke so many records. Uh, just to give a quick comparison, last Christmas, uh, some people were very excited when we had like a white elephant gift exchange. And one of our members here, I won't say his name, was very excited, so excited when they got Taylor Swift's 1989 album. And Taylor Swift's 1989 album, as popular as it was, uh, within the first hour of Adele's releasing of her album, beat out Taylor Swift's album that she sold in her first week. In all of her sales, Adele still beat her sales than her first week. It's just, I'm not saying Taylor Swift is bad. I'm just showing you how good Adele is in selling this. I think it's because she resonates a lot with 
her listeners, our young people, because she sings about heartbreak. Um, I remember seeing in a Twitter account, Will Ferrell's Twitter account, and he wrote in one tweet, from one to Adele, how bad was your breakup? And if you get it, that's cool. Um, Because heartbreak is real, and it is very deeply emotional. Separation is real, and it is emotional, and it's hard, it's difficult. What our world is also going through is heartbreaking. The terror that surrounds us, um, that we're constantly bombarded by in the media, that's heartbreaking. And in this season, we start off this week with hope. James and Chesuk lighted our first Advent candle. And Advent means the coming or the arrival. And what we are waiting for is the arrival of Jesus Christ again. We are celebrating Christmas, but also, if you look at church history, Advent was really a season to really wait upon the second coming of Jesus Christ. And we as Christians and we as a church, we are really hoping and desperately praying that Jesus Christ comes soon. Because we are in a broken world. And we know that the only way it can be fixed is with Jesus. We try to put things together. We try to do things our own way, the best way we can. But even then, I hope we can see that we need Jesus. And that's where we start off with hope this week. And in this passage, I feel like this passage encompasses all the four themes of our Advent season. It has hope, it has peace, it has joy, it has love. We want to focus on hope today. But before we go into hope, we see that Paul in Romans writes first, it's about peace with God. Now, not peace of God. There is a difference between peace with God and peace of God. It's not the same as the peace of God as in Philippians chapter 4, verse 7. But it is the peace with God. Peace of God is being calm and satisfied in the midst of trouble and pressures. But peace with God that we have in Jesus Christ means that the hostilities that we had with God are now over. Now, that's huge because... The Bible is saying we were once enemies. Why were we enemies? And we see this in play in the world today. There is a great fight going on in the Middle East. If you don't know exactly, I'll just do a a one-minute kind of thing, explanation. It won't do it justice. But there there is a group, King Assad, and there's a group, the resistance in Syria, and then Russia-backed King Assad, U.S.-backed the rebels, ISIS broke off from all this, and they went out of Syria, went to Iraq, and then all this stuff is happening in the world. Everybody's taking sides. But basically what is going on is this. They are fighting for kingship. They are fighting for authority. Now, when we say that we were once enemies with God, what Paul is saying is that there was once a battle, a battle between us and God saying, I am king over my life. And God is saying, no, I am king over your life. But because of Jesus Christ, now there is peace with God. That has been reconciled. That has been done and over with. Instead of us claiming kingship over our world, what God is claiming is he has kingship over the same thing. He has kingship over this world. 
When we say reconciled to God, it means that now we recognize, because of Jesus, we are able to recognize that God is king over this world. No matter what we try, no matter what we do, we can rage, we can be bitter, we can be angry. But don't you see, over the past millennia, it hasn't solved anything. People are getting angrier. There's more divisions than ever. And I find that fascinating that no matter how much shaming that you do in social media, what you really just see is a polarizing of two views. Our political system is the same. You can rage against the other party, saying how idiotic it is, but don't you see what's happening is there's a further polarization. Now, because of social media, it's hard for some of us to even go get a cup of coffee without having an opinion about it. Red cup, blue cup, green cup, whatever the cup is, we're just angry. And don't you see this polarizing is showing us that there is a battle and it's real. And what the Bible is saying is that only God can be the true king over this world. And because of Jesus Christ, because of what he has done, and we'll get into that further again, because of what he has done for us on the cross, now all that is taken away and there is peace with God. We have the reconciliation. This leads us to the second point which is grace. Grace is an access by faith into grace in which we stand. It means an introduction. So now that we have this reconciliation, this peace with God, you see this is an interplay. It's going on. We move further and you see, now that you have peace with the King of Kings, the true Lord of Lords, now there's an introduction. There's the King. Peace peace has been established. Now you want audience with the King. How do you get audience with the King? Now, this is talking about an introduction. Someone is introducing you to the king. Why? Why? Because now we can not only just have peace with God, we can have a personal and deep relationship with the powerful dignitary, the king, but this time it's the king of kings. It's the Lord of lords. It goes beyond the peace of God, which is just the cessation of hostility. It goes beyond that to a friendship with God. Now we can go to God and continually Go to God in prayer with our requests, with our problems and failures, and we can have confidence that he hears us. We can have audience with the king. And then thirdly, there is hope. Hope isn't just a mere wishing. Oh, I hope I get an A even though I didn't study at all this whole semester. That's not the kind of hope that Paul is talking about. Hope is something more in the Greek. In the Greek, it means an underlying conviction. It is, I know. And this hope comes to us because now we can have this relationship with God. Now, this isn't just a hope for anything. It is a hope for the glory of God. What that means is now we can see and know and have a deep relationship with the King of Kings, our Lord of Lords, and have a friendship with him. I don't know if anybody's seen this movie because it's the season, um, but there was a movie that came out a long time ago. It's called Elf, and the star was Will Ferrell. And he played an elf called Buddy. And he left the North Pole, and then he 
stumbled upon this mall. And in the mall, he was just so excited because there was a Christmas section. And uh, the manager is like, what are you doing here? And then he just had to stop because he had to make an announcement. And he, he interrupted the conversation he was having with Buddy the Elf. And he said, okay, everybody, I just want to make an announcement. Tomorrow at 10 a.m., Santa's coming. And then Wolf Rao immediately goes, Santa! And everybody's like, what? He's like, I know him. I know him. <laughs> and everybody thinks he's crazy. But that's the kind of access we have with Jesus Christ, with God. Because of what has happened, the reconciliation, because of the grace in now which we stand through Jesus Christ, now we have access where we can say, Jesus, I know him. I know him. He's my friend. I know him. And we can be excited about that because that never happened before. That was never available to us before. But through Jesus Christ, we can. And this hope is the hope that we have in Christ Jesus. Paul talks about this, a series of things that leads to hope. And the first thing that he mentions is suffering. There is a lot of suffering going on. There's suffering in the world, like we mentioned before, but there is suffering in your personal life as well. There are things that you are trying to work out and make sense of. And sometimes we don't know the answer. Maybe a lot of times we don't know the answer. And there's an inter- internal struggle. There is a suffering because of what's going on in your family or your community or your workplace. Because of what has happened in the previous two verses, as Paul mentions suffering, he says now because of these things, we can actually rejoice in suffering, not because of suffering. So there is a difference. Uh, <clears throat> I like exercising. Going to the gym is uh, something that I like doing. Um, it's very relaxing. On my day off, I, I like to stay a little longer than usual. I don't do anything. I just sit there and say hi to people. But when you go and exercise, some people say, I love the pain. The pain is great. Give me more pain. But really what is going on, the reason why we exercise, why we put ourselves through this physical discipline is so that we can be healthy, because so that there is an outcome that we see. There's a famous saying that we know of, no pain, no gain. There's a great movie, I believe one of our drummers really likes, called Pain and Gain. But no pain, no gain means that when we go through the suffering, it's not that we enjoy the suffering for the suffering itself. We can go through this suffering. We can put ourselves through this physical discipline because we know what it can produce. No one go, if you went to the gym and you were working out and there was so much pain and suffering involved and it produced nothing, and you say, I just love it for the pain, that just makes you a masochist. It's not good. It's not good at all. It's not healthy at all, at least. And you might need some uh, help. But... When we go through this pain, it's because we know that through this pain, we can get stronger. That there is gains to be had. But it's the same discipline spiritually too. When we go through spiritual suffering, God says there is something that I can produce out of that. It's not just suffering for suffering's sake. But suffering produces something. And what does it produce? It produces perseverance. 
In the Greek, perseverance really means single-mindedness. What that alludes to is that as we go through this spiritual suffering, it means that we get our distractions, the noise of this world starts getting removed. And it becomes more and more focused. Think about it. When you suffer, the things that really didn't matter, you can easily lay it down. Because you need to be able to focus on one thing. You need to be able to put all your energy into this one focal point because it matters that much. So perseverance. And out of perseverance comes character. Character in the Greek really alludes to the word testedness. When you are tested, you get experience. When you get experience, you gain confidence. Our football team was very new this season. A lot of our young guys came. But one thing that we didn't have was experience playing together. And then that showed in the football field. Don't you see? Because we didn't have that experience playing together, that testedness, when you go onto the football field, it shows up as a lack of confidence. But you see, God didn't want that for us. So through the suffering, through perseverance, you gain experience. And experience gives you this confidence, this testedness, this character. And character leads to hope. Once you have the gospel, you will see suffering will try to suck out something in your life force. will try to push you down. will try to take something away from you. But because you have the gospel you see that suffering invariably leads to hope. And it even gives you more joy and you can rejoice in suffering. Now this may be a lot of stuff for one time, but um, I've been really busy the past month or so and I said to myself, I may have physical discipline, sure, spiritual discipline, sure, but I need emotional discipline. So I need to just somehow wind down and read a good fiction book every once in a while. Um, Maybe watch a TV show, because I don't have a TV, so I have to look at it in my laptop. And I wanted something light. So I never finished a series called uh, The Office. It's a comedy series some of us may be familiar with. And in this series, there is a manager named Michael Scott. He's played by Steve Carell. And there is this one episode called Scott's Tots. And some people may be familiar. But here he goes to this school, this elementary school, and he, you find out that he wanted to encourage them. So what he did was he promised if they graduated high school, he would pay for their college tuition. And then they remembered that. And so many years later, they came back to him and said, look at all these people graduating And he didn't have any money to pay their college tuition. So I think he brought like little goodie bags and that wasn't good enough. And you see people so angry. But this story actually comes from a real story. They didn't just make that up. In 1981, there was a businessman named Eugene Lang. And he grew up in East Harlem. Eugene Lang changed the lives of sixth graders in East Harlem as well. When he went back, he said to them, there were 59 of them, and he said, if you graduate, I will pay for your college tuition. When he first went into this 
room or an auditorium of sixth graders wondering what he can say. No one was paying attention. And he was trying to figure out what he could do. So he just said, stay in school. And I'll help pay for the college tuition of every single one of you. At that moment, all those kids' lives were changed. Nearly 90% of that class he talked to went to graduate from that high school. There is a hope that comes from Jesus Christ, knowing Jesus Christ, even beyond what we can imagine. Our hope isn't just any hope. Our hope is the glory of God. What does that mean? That means that when we are inseminated with this hope that we can go through tomorrow, we can go through the things that we go through today, because there is this great, great thing lying beyond the edge And we look to it and it inspires us. It gives us this hope. That means even though we go through suffering, it produces this focus, this perseverance. And we gain confidence because it builds our character. And it gives us this hope so that we can step forward. No matter what the situation is, no matter what you are going through, no matter what you're facing now in your family, your community, your school, no matter what, there is a hope that is given to you In Jesus Christ. And what is this hope? What is this glory of God? This is an amazing thing that has been set before us to give us this hope. The glory of God isn't just so that, just like C.S. Lewis said, isn't just so that we would just mingle or just um, fooling around with drink or sex or ambition. He's saying, People are just too half-hearted because we're mingling. We're thinking uh, sex, food, ambition, all these things are like the number one thing in life. And when we get it, we realize it's not. It doesn't fill us. It actually depletes us. It gets us depressed. And then we have to make an album, 25 or 35 or whatever it is, right? But it, it can't end there. If it ends there... That is so sad. C.S. Lewis alludes to this looking like a child in the slums just making mud pies because he or she doesn't realize there's a feast in the house, a banquet in the house. We're just satisfied with mud pies. The glory of God reminds us that every single good and perfect gift, every single one, comes from our Heavenly Father. And He loves giving it to His children. There is this weird mentality thinking, you know what? We feel like God is just just like someone who gives us all these rules. He's a joy kill. He doesn't like it. He doesn't like it when we're happy, so He makes all these rules. And I'm not happy about all these rules. But as you continue to study the Word and study the Bible, you see these things were set in place because it's showing us and gearing us and moving us to show us that there is a purpose that we have. We were meant to do something. We were created to be someone. And it's moving us toward this. And when we go in line with this, we see that we are filled with joy. When we enjoy sex in the covenant marriage that the Bible says, there is great joy. 
When we see that money isn't just supposed to be hoarded, but it's supposed to be given away, just as Eugene Lang, that there is great joy that proceeds. And Eugene Lang, in total, it is said that he gave around $150 million over his lifetime. Just building schools, just giving it away, because there is great joy in it. You can't be a stingy giver. It doesn't make sense. When you start giving, it gives joy to you. Give. And you see, you can only do that because there is a hope outside that you see. There's this glory of God that you're looking at and you strive toward that goal. That is what the Advent season is about. The hope that we are given isn't just any hope. It is the highest thing that we can ever imagine, beyond our imaginations even. And as we look to the glory of God, there is nothing that can stop us. What's the worst thing that can happen? Suffering? Even God can take suffering and use it for our own good. Is it death? Jesus Christ defeats death. And then we can say, death, where is your sting? Because Jesus Christ, the first fruits of the resurrection, says, follow me and you will also live. And we have life in Jesus Christ. So that gives us energy. Nothing can stop. That's why there is this huge, huge revival that you may not know about because it's not on CNN, but it is if you are, you know about it, if you are connected to missionaries around the world. Like 10 years ago, it was China. There was all this revival going on. And underground, the underground Christian church in China was exploding, exploding. So they had to actually dig tunnels like miles and miles long because people just wanted to worship God, worship Jesus. And there's another revival going on, and it's in the Middle East. Just even in Jordan, I heard that there is over a million Christians now. That's incredible. Jordan has like 5.5 million people. Now has a million Christians. And all these nations in the Middle East, the Christianity, people accepting Jesus Christ, it's exploding. And people are wondering why. We, we're even afraid to go into these places because if we go, we might be killed. We might be martyred. And you see all these Muslims turning to Christianity and surveys are being done. People are going in trying to figure it out. Polls are being done. And we saw that even the most conservative is 25%, but almost up to 33%. People in the Middle Eastern countries are having dreams. They're having dreams about Jesus. And because of the background they they grew up with, dreams are a powerful thing. A powerful thing. So imagine, one out of three or one out of four, even if you're conservative about these numbers, of Muslims that have turned to Christianity, they have because of a dream. A dream that they saw, that they had, and in this dream they saw Jesus Christ. To me that's incredible, incredible. Ten years ago I was in Egypt and there was something brewing. I remember just going with a team. We didn't know what to do. We didn't really speak Arabic. Uh, We spoke English, but we had a translator and we tried to learn as much you know, Arabic as we could, things like shukran and things like, uh, just even hello. But we tried to do our best, and we saw people that were really hungry but didn't know what to do. And one time we were just walking in the market, 
And then this man comes up to one of our team members and says, excuse me, can I talk to you? It's like, okay. It's like, you must be Christian. It's like, yes, we are. It's like, do you have a Bible? It's like, yeah, we, we do. It's like, can, we, can I have that Bible? And we're like, oh, yeah, that's cool. That's awesome, man. Here's a Bible. I hope you read it. And Jesus Christ is king. We did everything that we could within the short few minutes that we had. And then he left, thankful. And our translator comes up to us and he goes, what just happened? And we explained it to him. And he goes, that is incredible. And we're like, yeah, that's pretty cool. He's like, no, no, you don't understand. People in Muslim countries can be killed for what he just did. In the very least, ostracized, kicked out of the community, but definitely persecuted, even killed for just what he did. And he did that. Why would he do that? And we're just like, I don't know, I don't know. Let's pray. Let's pray for this man who was bold enough to come to us. We didn't go to him, but he came to us. And we saw that God is doing something incredible, showing people around the world that Jesus Christ is the only way, the only truth, the only life. And he's showing it to him in dreams now. That's incredible, you guys. And because of him, we have this hope, this glory of God that is set before us. But God is showing it to all the people in the world. Saying that I am king. I am the king of kings. I am the Lord of lords. And I have come to rule. This Advent season is about receiving and expecting Jesus Christ. You've got to come again. There is no other hope besides you. We've tried it. We've tried it. I tried living on my own, making my own rules, saying this is right, this is wrong. I will morally decide outside of what the Bible says or just say, oh, the Bible is just an interpretation of this. I can't really trust it. Let's just go with what most people are saying. And it fails. It doesn't work. It leads to confusion, bitterness, sadness, and hopelessness. But you see, even in the midst of all the things that we would think the trend the world is going through, God is at work. God is at work to give his people hope and fuse us with this hope that what is set before us is greater than sex, food, ambition, anything that you can imagine. It's greater than that. You can have access to the source of every good and perfect gift. That's incredible. That is praiseworthy. That's why we worship our God during this Advent season. Hope changes our desires in the end. It changes our focus and it changes our certainty. The certainty now that what we, the certainty that we have now is beyond anything this world can provide. The certainty that we have is now in Jesus Christ, the immovable rock, the cornerstone of our faith. He is our King of kings. He is our Lord of lords, and he is coming to reign. And this hope is what we hold on to, and that is why we can face tomorrow. That is why no matter what happens, it's still good. Because God has the future. He has the world in his hands. This is the hope that I hope that you can place your hopes in this season. Let's pray.
The hope that we have, God, isn't just any hope. The hope that we have now in Jesus Christ is the glory of God, which is incredible. Things that we could not have imagined. Things that we couldn't even have fathomed. Lord God, we see you doing in our lives. And Father, we thank you for that. We thank you for what you have done. We thank you for what you are doing even now in our midst. But Lord God, we thank you for what you are about to do. We see a great change coming. And Lord God, we give you the glory. Our hope is in you, Lord. And we know that this will not put us to shame. And we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray.